0: Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. I hope you all are having a great week. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct instinct. If you're listening to me on the podcast, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly every Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. And if you're watching me on YouTube, but make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well. We post every Thursday and you're not going to want to miss that one either. Now today we have a solved case and this is a crazy one. While I was doing my research, I couldn't believe it, and it was actually a case that was suggested by one of you. If you don't know, you can always email me your case suggestions at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com, and this is one that you guys said that I would be mind blown by, and you were not wrong. As you can tell by the title, today we are talking about the solved case of Carissa Boudreaux, and I'm not going to give anything away on this one, so let's just jump right on into it carissa boudreaux was born on october 4th 1995 in ontario canada to her mother penny boudreaux and her father Paul Boudreaux. Carissa grew up living in Nova Scotia, which is one of the 13 provinces located in Canada. And Carissa is described as the type of girl who always looked at life with the glass half full. She could take any negative situation and turn it into a positive. Her father, Paul, always said that she loved to laugh. She loved to be happy. She was always skipping. She loved playing outside. She loved playing with her friends. She was your typical 12-year-old girl. One of Carissa's passions was animals. She had a dog named Lady growing up who she absolutely adored. And Carissa loved animals so much that everyone around her basically assumed that she would probably be a veterinarian one day due to how much she just absolutely loved animals. Now, when it comes to Paul and Penny's relationship, which are Carissa's parents, Paul and Penny's relationship was a pretty interesting one. So, Penny and Paul got together, and Penny got pregnant with Carissa. And shortly after that, before Carissa was born, Penny and Paul decided to end their relationship. And after their relationship ended, Penny moved on pretty quickly, and she actually moved on with Paul's brother. His name was Shane. So Penny dated Paul and then dated Paul's brother Shane, and she dated Shane for a pretty long time. She dated him for about 10 years before the two of them called it quits. So Carissa basically grew up with her uncle dating her mom, and it wasn't like she didn't know who her father was. Paul played a very prominent role role in carissa's life if there was any time where he wasn't working he was seeing carissa he would always babysit carissa when penny had to go to work he really tried to spend as much time with her as possible and everyone describes carissa as a daddy's girl she absolutely adored her father so even though her mother was dating her uncle she still had that relationship with her father. So, Carissa's primary residence growing up was her mother. Her mother basically had full custody of Carissa, and then Paul would see her whenever he could and whenever he was allowed to. Now, when Carissa got to be in about the sixth grade, her and her mother, Penny, started to have some problems. Now, some could say that this was typical preteen behavior with their mother. However, Carissa and Penny had a lot of tension in their house, so much so that Carissa told Penny that she didn't want to live with her mom anymore, and instead, she wanted to go and live with her father Paul. And Paul was super excited about this and thought that this would be a great chance for him to spend a lot more quality time with his daughter. And Penny didn't really fight Carissa on it. However, when Carissa moved in with Paul, it wasn't that she was just moving houses. She also had to transfer schools. She had to get new friends. Her life really did change drastically. And after about five months, Carissa decided that maybe she didn't make the right decision. And she told her father. that she wanted to move back in with her mother, And according to Paul, he said obviously this upset him a little bit because he loved having Carissa around. However, he understood why Carissa would want to be back with her mother and he didn't want to stop her from doing so. So Carissa ended up moving back in with Penny. Now, Penny lived in a town called Bridgewater at the time with her boyfriend named Vernon McCumber. So Carissa was living with the two of them in an apartment and attending Bridgewater Elementary School. And once Carissa went back and lived with her mom and got back into her routine, she was incredibly happy. She was happy to be back with her friends and her classes at her school and back in an environment that she was really comfortable in. But everything changed on January 27th, 2008. On this day, Penny had taken Carissa to the Bridgewater Mall and they parked outside of a Sobeys store. Now, Sobeys, for anyone that doesn't know, because I certainly didn't, is a great grocery store. It's similar to a Ralph's or a Publix. And on the way over there, Carissa and Penny got into an argument. So they were arguing on the way over there. And once they got to the Sobies, Carissa told Penny that she didn't want to go into the store and that she wanted to stay in the car, and Penny allowed it. She wasn't gonna go into the store for very long. She just needed to pick up a couple things, so she thought it would be fine. So Penny got out of the car, walked into the Sobeys store, got the things that she needed, and when she came out, Carissa was no longer in the car and was nowhere to be found. Penny said that she immediately picked up the phone and contacted authorities when she realized that Carissa wasn't in the car anymore, and that is when she reported her daughter as a missing person. After contacting authorities, Penny then called Carissa's father, Paul, who said that when he heard the news that Carissa was missing, it didn't make sense to him. He couldn't wrap his head around it. He said, what do you mean she's missing? How is she possibly missing? It made no sense. How is it possible that she just vanished? And when authorities kind of started looking into this case a little bit, one thing that really worried them was the fact that it was January in Canada and the weather conditions were not ideal. It was extremely cold. There was a storm coming in. And because of that, they really felt like they were on an even tighter time limit than they normally would be to make sure that Carissa is safe. Now, automatically, police held a press conference to get Carissa's information out to the public, and Penny spoke at this press conference. She pleaded with Carissa over the TV to come home and told Carissa that she wasn't mad anymore and she wouldn't be in trouble if she came back and that all she wanted was some sort of sign that Carissa was okay. Now, police wanted to cover all all of their bases obviously so they got the surveillance footage from the Sobe store and the Sobe store shows that Penny was in fact at the store during the time frame that she says she was and was in there for about 10 to 15 minutes before leaving after that police started interviewing anyone who could have possibly known Carissa this included her classmates her neighbors her friends her teachers her family and this was obviously to just get as much information about Carissa as possible and hoping that in somewhere along the way they would be given some piece of information or some sort of insight to see did carissa run away on her own did she get into a fight with her mom and she wanted to walk off and maybe she got lost or was there something more sinister that was happening now two days after carissa went missing on january 29th at about 3 50 p.m there was a man driving on william hebb road in Hebville, nova scotia which is about a three minute drive from Bridgewater. And when he was driving on this road, he saw a pink Croc shoe laying in the snow. Now, this man had actually watched the press conference after Carissa was reported missing. So he was familiar with the case and he thought that maybe this could be some sort of connection. So he contacted authorities and authorities immediately rushed over to collect the shoe. And when they did, they were able to confirm that the shoe that was found was in fact carissa's however like i said there was only one shoe so it was one singular pink croc that was found and that led to the question of where was the other one two weeks following carissa's disappearance on february 11th 2008 there was a break in the case At about 11.35 a.m. on February 11th, a woman had called into the police station, stating that her nine-year-old son had seen human toes sticking out of the snow right near a riverbank at a turnoff area. Her and her son had been driving on Highway 331 when they pulled over for a moment. Her son had gotten out of the car and went to the edge of the embankment that looked over the river when he saw human toes. And when he saw them, he screamed and ran for his mother, who then also saw what her son was looking at. And just to make sure they were looking at what they believed that they were looking at, which was human remains, they flagged down another driver who pulled over and confirmed that it in fact was human remains that they were looking at. And that is when the authorities were called. Authorities immediately arrived onto the scene. And when they did, they discovered the remains of Carissa Boudreaux. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? dot com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place all right you guys welcome back the forensic pathologist noted that carissa's body looked as if it had been staged and placed there following her death Authorities also noticed a prominent ligature mark around Carissa's neck. And at this point, obviously, everyone in the town is heartbroken. During the two weeks that Carissa was gone, no one knew what to think. They didn't know if this was a random attack. They didn't know if this was someone that Carissa knew. They didn't know if Carissa ran away on her own. And this really affected the parents in the community, especially. They really put themselves in Penny and Paul's position. They thought of Carissa as their own daughter and thinking about what would happen. Happen to them if this was their own child so everyone was heavily affected by this an autopsy had to be scheduled for a couple days after chris's body was discovered for the reason that when her body was discovered she was completely frozen so they had to wait a couple days for her body to essentially thaw out and when it did that is when they were able to perform an autopsy When the autopsy was completed, it was concluded that Carissa's cause of death was asphyxiation. Now, when Carissa's body was found, her body was found with her pants at her ankles, which made a lot of people believe that maybe Carissa was a victim of sexual assault. However, after an autopsy was performed, it showed that there were no signs of sexual assault. And this made police believe that whoever did this to Carissa staged this in a way where they wanted whoever ever found her to believe that she had been sexually assaulted. And the reason that they would do that is to possibly steer police in a different direction rather than what actually happened. Now, after Carissa's funeral was over, authorities now looked at this obviously as a homicide investigation. But with that, they really couldn't figure out who would do this to Carissa or who would want to hurt Carissa. Like I said, they interviewed so many people, but nothing was making sense. Now, the sergeant at the time, who was a man named John Elliott, was really heavily involved in this case. He attended Carissa's autopsy and spoke with Penny multiple times. Now, John remembers the multiple times that he spoke with Penny. One thing that he remembered and that stood out to him was Penny, every single time that he would talk to her, was very quiet. She didn't ask a lot of questions. She didn't really seem engaged in the conversation. And when Carissa's body was recovered and John went to inform her of this news, Penny asked no questions as to how Carissa was found, what condition that she was in. She never asked any questions after her daughter's body was recovered and in particular john elliott remembers that not only did penny not ask any questions penny never even asked what her daughter's cause of death was and that was something that really stood out to him because you would think as a mother or just as a person you would be curious to know how your daughter died, but Penny didn't have that same urgency. Now, when it came to Carissa's father, Paul, he had his own suspicions about Penny as well. He remembered during the first press conference, Penny was more worried and concerned about her boyfriend, Vernon, than she was about doing this press conference and trying to find Carissa. At the time of the press conference, Vernon had some sort of leg injury, and Penny was way more concerned with attending to him and making sure that he was comfortable and okay, rather than finding her daughter. Now, after Carissa's body was discovered, police then wanted to go and search through Carissa's room to see if there was anything in there that can indicate what had happened. Police were literally just looking for anything, and they actually found several notes that Carissa had written. They were more so like diary entries, and the police found them very interesting. One of these notes, which was dated December 2nd, 2007, which was just about a month and a half prior to her disappearance carissa wrote a note that said quote i'm mad because dot 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 one mom is engaged to vernon two mom made me move here three mom broke up with shane four i want a bigger room five i don't like vernon living with us six the end of my life is ruined end quote. And there was another note that said, quote, I'm sad because dot dot dot, I have to go to school tomorrow. Two, I miss Shane and Tracy. Three, I have to go to bed at 9:30 instead of 11. Four, I live in an apartment. Five, there is no room for my stuff. Six, I feel crowded. Seven, end of story. My life sucks until we live in a house, end quote. Now, police at first wondered if the tension between Carissa and Penny was, like I said earlier, just typical teenager mother-daughter fighting, mother-daughter tension, or if this was more serious than that. Now, what comes with living in an apartment is neighbors being close by, and neighbors watch and neighbors listen. And in this case, many different neighbors had a lot to say to police about what they heard going on inside of Penny's apartment. After Carissa's disappearance, neighbors said that they heard a lot of arguing coming inside Penny and Vernon's apartment, and more specifically, they said that they heard Vernon yelling at Penny, yelling things like, quote-unquote, I know you did it and why did you have to get me involved? The day that Carissa's body was recovered at about 3 20 p.m., neighbors said that they heard more arguing coming from the apartment and Vernon yelling things like, quote, Pen, how could you do this? I don't understand. Why did you have to get me involved? Now on February 14th, 2008, so three days following Carissa's body being found, both Vernon and Penny were brought in to the police station for questioning. Because at this point, police wanted to know why were those arguments happening from their apartment? Why are neighbors saying these things? They were trying to cover all of their bases because at this point, like I said earlier, they had nothing to go off of. They had no idea what had happened. So they were not leaving any stone left unturned and they brought both of them in. Now, when it came to Penny, authorities asked her multiple questions regarding the death of her daughter. And every time she would be asked something, especially like, Did you have anything to do with it? Did you kill your daughter? Every time Penny would respond with, my lawyer advised me not to say anything so she's not denying it she's not sitting there and saying no i didn't kill my daughter all she's saying is my lawyer advised me not to say now this is when the police came up with a strategy so they actually ended up arresting both penny and vernon for the death of carissa that day on february 14th and they put them in jail but what penny and vernon didn't know was that the cellmates that they both had which mind you again they were in Separate cells so each of their separate cellmates was an undercover officer and authorities had assigned these undercover officers to penny and vernon to try and get as much information as possible to try and see did vernon have anything to do with this did he know what does penny know because clearly she has some sort of involvement because her story from the beginning has really never made a lot of sense so both of these undercover officers were assigned to get as much information as they could Now, when it came to Vernon, he actually began to trust the undercover officer in his cell, and the undercover actually offered Vernon a job to work with him in some fake job, but the point was Vernon began to trust and open up to the undercover. Both Penny and Vernon were released the following day because there wasn't actually enough information and evidence to keep them both in custody, so they both had to be freed. Now, Vernon actually continued after he was released to see this undercover and again at this point he didn't know that he was an undercover he played it off like he was just some regular guy who happened to be in jail in a cell with Vernon at the same time but the two of them continued to see each other after they were released and the hope here was like I said the more that they hung out the more that they saw each other the more trust Vernon would have in this guy and eventually would open up and that is exactly what happened in april 2008 penny and vernon moved apartments and about two weeks after that vernon had a meeting with the undercover and this was the first time that he ever spoke about the case so he had known this undercover now for about a little over two months and this is when he finally begins to open up vernon told the undercover that he had nothing to do with carissa's death and he had no idea what was going on he said that he was sleeping at the time that carissa went missing he was at the apartment by himself but he did say that he believed that penny was responsible for Carissa's death and he said the only reason that he had stayed with Penny throughout all of this was because he was worried that if he left her, she was going to try and pin the murder on him. So at this point, the undercover went to the sergeant and told him Vernon had nothing to do with this from what he gathered, from what he could tell, Vernon had nothing to do with this. So this is when the focus really shifted from Vernon and Penny being this team to simply just Penny. Now, on June 11th, 2008, Penny met with the undercover officer that she had met in her cell when she was originally arrested. This undercover presented himself as someone who could make problems go away, make any crime problems go away, that he could get Penny out of the situation that she was in. So she agreed to meet this undercover in a hotel room, not knowing that the authorities were in the room next door, listening and watching to their entire conversation. Now, again, this undercover told Penny that he could get her out of the situation that she was in, but the catch here was that she would need to tell him everything that happened to Carissa, front to back, every detail. That way, he could figure out the best possible way to help her, which obviously was not true. He was just trying to get as much information about what happened as possible. Now this is where Penny began to unravel. Penny said that leading up to Carissa's death, her and Vernon were having problems in their relationship. She said that Vernon basically gave her an ultimatum and said that she either needed to choose him or her daughter, and Penny chose Vernon. Penny said that on the 27th of January, her and Carissa drove around in her car at about 3 to 4 p.m. for a couple hours. During this time, Penny said that her and Carissa did get into an argument, and in that moment, Penny said she did what she had to do at about 5 30 p.m penny and carissa went to the sobeys store together so that part of the story was true penny walked into the store with carissa still in the car to get the things that she needed and when penny got back to the car carissa was still there. Penny put the groceries in the trunk of her car, and while she was doing that, she put a piece of beige twine, which if you don't know what twine is, it's essentially thick string, and she put a piece of it in her pocket. Now, before Penny made it back to the car with Carissa, she also made a phone call to Vernon and left him a voicemail saying that Carissa was not in the car and she was nowhere to be found, which now we know was a complete and total lie because Carissa was still in the car after Penny came out of the store. And what this really shows is premeditation because Penny is setting all of this up before it ever even happened. Now, this is when Penny got into the car with Carissa and drove about seven minutes away to William Hebb Road, which was where her croc shoe was found. And this is when Penny told Carissa to get out of the car penny looked around to make sure that no one was driving by and this is when she tackled carissa on to the ground. Carissa landed on her back, and Penny placed both of her knees on Carissa's chest to keep her from moving, and Carissa's arms were already behind her back just from the way that she fell, so her hands were already behind her. So at this point, she really couldn't fight back. Penny was putting all of her weight on Carissa before she then took the twine from out of her pocket and used it to strangle Carissa to death. Penny said that the last words that came out of her daughter's mouth when she was staring at her mother murdering her was mommy don't now after penny couldn't feel carissa breathing anymore she then took carissa's body and placed it in the front seat of her car and then drove to king street which was another seven minutes away back kind of in the direction of where the Sobies was and dragged carissa's body to where it would be discovered two weeks later Penny admitted to pulling down Carissa's pants to stage it and try to appear as if Carissa had been sexually assaulted and then Penny literally rolled her daughter to the edge of the bank and she did this because she knew that there was a snowstorm coming in and thought to herself that Carissa's body would be covered in the snow so no one would really find it. At about 7 to 7.30 p.m. that day, Penny went back to her apartment like everything was fine and told Vernon in person this time that Carissa was missing. About an hour later at about eight o'clock p.m. is when she called family, friends, teachers, and authorities. Now, still not knowing that she was talking to an undercover officer, Penny literally took this man, physically took him, to where she committed this horrific act against her daughter. She showed him exactly where it was, exactly what happened, gave him the whole play-by-play in person. And she also admitted that she had thought about completing this for several days leading up to the murder. She was just waiting for the right time to do it. Now, when we look at motive here, why did Penny do this? Why did she think that this was a good idea? Like I said earlier, she said that Vernon gave her an ultimatum between her and her daughter, that she had to pick one and she chose Vernon. Now, Vernon said that that never happened not only did he say that never in his wildest dreams did he believe that penny would kill carissa he also said he never gave her an ultimatum to begin with according to vernon he told penny that the fighting that was going on and the arguing that was going on between her and carissa had to stop or else he was going to leave her essentially so basically he told her to get the fighting and to get the arguing under control not that she had to choose one or the other On June 14, 2008, Penny Boudreaux was arrested for the murder of her daughter, Carissa. When she was brought to the station, she was told all about the undercover sting operation, and she was shocked. However, Penny did admit again to the brutal and tragic murder of Carissa. Now, Penny was originally charged with first-degree murder, but she later agreed to plead guilty to the lesser charge of second-degree murder and received a life sentence. She will be eligible to apply for parole after she serves 20 years. However, this is where things get really infuriating. In 2018, Penny was granted escorted leave. Now we have seen people get escorted leave before. We did a cannibal case not too long ago where he was granted escorted leave. And that is what happened here. Penny gets to leave prison multiple times a year to attend church nonetheless. And the reason this came to light was because in 2017, she was given a psychological evaluation. And this psychological evaluation concluded that Penny was at a very low risk to reoffend, However, the psychological evaluation also said that her romantic relationships should be monitored. Now, I don't know about you, but in my opinion, if you are able to murder your child, you are pretty much capable of doing anything. So the fact that someone says that she is at a very low risk to reoffend, personally, I don't believe it just because, again, I think if you're capable of murdering your own child, I think you're capable of doing anything. Now, you can only imagine the agony that Paul, Carissa's father, has been put through over all of this. He said that Penny should not have the liberty and freedom to have escorted leave, and that there will probably never fully be justice for Carissa. He said that he hopes Penny is haunted by what she did to Carissa every time she closes her eyes. Now, Paul at this point has remarried and has two children with his new wife, his youngest being a daughter. Paul says he wants to remember Carissa as the happy-go-lucky girl that she was and wants to continue her legacy and have her continue to be remembered in that way. Now, the sentence that Penny was given, the fact that she will be eligible for parole in 20 years is absolutely appalling she has the possibility of getting out when she's 55 years old and again i don't fully believe this is just my opinion that she is at a low risk to re-offend again i think if you're capable of murdering your kid you're capable of pretty much doing anything the idea that she could be walking free after 20 years of what she did is really disturbing. And when it comes to Vernon, he apparently really took a hard hit from all of this and is now struggling from alcoholism, but he was never charged with anything. The only person that was ever charged in any connection to Carissa's death was her mother, Penny. And like I said, Penny does have the possibility of getting out when she's 55 years old. So that is where we are at with this. And that is the case of Carissa Boudreaux. All right, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, again, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. If you're listening to me on the podcast, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly every Wednesday and you're not gonna wanna miss it. If you're watching me on YouTube, make make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We post every Thursday and you're not gonna wanna miss that either. I will be back next week with a brand new one. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys.